Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast. We are your hosts, James and Anthony. In this episode, we will discuss the modern horror boom. Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to the show. It's still spooky season, so we're still doing spooky movies. Yeah, in this episode, we're going to just kind of have a fun discussion about the modern boom that we're living in for horror film and the horror genre. We are currently witnessing some of the best horror films ever made in the last 10 years have come out and some incredible uh, young filmmakers and just great studios who have come to prominence with their collection of horror films. And I think we're just living in the best time for horror since the 1970s, hands down, M- maybe even better. I mean, obviously, like movies like The Shining, Rosemary's Baby, The Exorcist, I don't, th- I don't think they'll ever be topped. But we're currently in a in an era of horror where we're getting pretty close. What's fascinating is that horror has evolved in so many ways over the years. And I think that right now, in the last 10 years, maybe like a dozen years, maybe like 13, <laughs> like 13 years, <laughs> probably 13 years, probably 14. It's, I think it's the best, uh, the best, um, period, best, best period of horror we've ever had in film history because I mean, there aren't, there haven't been like super masterpieces. There hasn't been, like I mean, there I think there has been an exorcist. There has been a Shining, I, but we'll understand that in the next couple of decades as we re- reflect on this decade. But there are so many really, really good horror movies. Uh, we have a huge list just to look at, and there are at least twenty fantastic horror movies on all this time, list. all time. And then there are fifty really good horror movies, and then there's the rest are like solid horror movies. And so this has never happened before. In the genre, the genre has gone through its ups and downs of not kind of not really being respected and being just uh, a throwaway genre for for making a little bit of money. Universal Studios capitalized on the monster universe, but it was not it was never seen as like the same kind of quality as uh, other pictures that the studios were making. But Universal built their studio off of monsters. And horror has gone through the ups and downs and had the 70s with some incredible horror. And Europeans were making great horror, especially in Italy, uh, with filmmakers like Dario Argento. And then Brian De Palma did some great horror. And there was some good horror in the 80s. The 90s was very good as well. But I think the 2000s, I think, is the worst, uh, the weakest decade of horror. What about the 90s? The 90s made... Uh, if if this, Scream didn't come out, I mean, Scream re, like, rebooted the slasher genre for sure. And I, I would say the 90s wasn't super strong for horror. There were some great films in the 90s that came out, absolutely. But I think in terms of like major box office appeal and large audiences and critical acclaim, I think we're currently in the longest run in like of consistency of great horror movies because there's something about this new low-budget like 2 to $15 million independent original horror idea movie that is just there's 10 a year it feels like that are really good maybe even more and they're successful at the box office and audiences love them i mean this year just 2022 alone we've had several small budget independent horror movies that are just bangers i mean i just saw smile the black phone was incredible we have i mean bodies 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 did really well so there's so many just original small budget independent films that are coming out in the horror genre that are doing really well with audiences. I mean, Smile just broke 
$100 million in the box office, which is wild. It's, it's amazing. I think that I'm just looking at it right now. 19, 1990s has some great movies. Sixth Sense, Silence of the Lambs. Uh, okay, yeah, Scream. Yeah, yeah. I was wrong. Blade, like really excellent year for but Blair in terms Witch. Of consistency of misery. We have, but I'm forty talking, a year. Yeah, yeah. Right now it's great, but the two thousands, that's when torture porn became a thing, and that's when gore fests became a thing, and Cabin in the Woods, Hostel, uh, Saw, a bunch of those kinds. My Bloody Valentine, like all sorts of like gore fests. That was the horror genre. And it really took over the what what we saw for horror films. In a lot of ways, but zombies were being kind of rebooted as well with uh, Twenty Eight Days Later. Zombies and then were yeah. Dawn of zombies the were the strength of the franchise. So of they the genre. they were coming up. They were yeah. they were a resurgence for sure. So the slashers in the nineties had a resurgence. The yeah. zombies in the two thousands had a resurgence. But what's happened in the two thousand tens, especially the second, the middle and late two thousand tens and into the twenty twenties, it's we have the postmodernist horror, and what that is is it's. A completely new evolution of something and a dissection, a deconstruction of something. And horror isn't just straight horror anymore. In a lot of ways, it's blending with other genres, which is great. And also, the storytelling devices are changing and it's getting more advanced and nuanced. And there's a lot of creativity. It's not just about gore, it's not just about slashers anymore. And that's not what people want anymore. Like, just a really great horror film that I loved last year was Lamb. Just a fantastic horror film has nothing to do with gore or slashers or killers or anything, but it is a horror movie, and it was quite affecting. And I think that we're in this great postmodernist version of the horror genre that gives filmmakers a lot of freedom, especially, like you said, the budgets are low to mid, which gives them a, a director a lot of freedom to be like they kind of can exercise their vision because the studio or the production company isn't investing insane amounts of money in them. If they're giving someone $4 million, they'll let them do their thing. But if they're giving someone $50 million, they're going to be a little more uh, controlled about what's going on and what their money is being put into. So I think the low to mid-tier budget levels are like the best for horror movies now. And you could argue that we're even seeing a huge return to a great boom of not just straight-up horror films, but psychological thriller horror films are, I think— one of the most in- enticing parts of this boom right now. And we're getting several a year when it didn't used to be like that. I'm talking movies like that harken back to The Shining, Rosemary's Baby, Invasion of the, Bo- Inv- Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where it's just as much psychological as it, for an audience member as it is scary and terrifying. I mean, movies like Under the Skin, Get Out, The Witch, um, as well as great slashers that came out this year like X. We're, we're getting... In- a lot of South Korean filmmakers. Park Chan-wook, he's kind of like in that realm of sometimes horror, sometimes just thriller. But he's like a master of like the, the psychological thriller horror film. I mean, something like— But even The Handmaiden has a lot of horror exactly. to it. Exactly. Like, I'm not going to spoil it, but you know what I'm talking about. That's what the I mean. Basement, that was one of, that's one of the most terrifying Disturbing things. Disturbing as hell. But it's not like a strict horror movie. But I, I look at The Handmaiden as kind of a horror That's movie. why I say yeah. like the horror genre is going back into the direction of psychological thriller being into the infused into the genre genre as well like the shining there's hardly any deaths or murders in the shining it's mostly psychological it's like what's Mm. going on with the audience here for a long time just creating eerie feelings and suspense and creating this off tone your ghost land the most is great with that as well and i think we're getting back to this boom of not just horror but psychological thriller horror which is so entertaining and so many great artistic filmmakers are just realizing so many original stories with that theme 
when I in when I was a teenager, like in the twenty ten in the two thousands, I think this is a great example of how it's evolved. When I when I was a kid and, and I thought of the horror genre, I thought of slashers and monsters, same and zombies. That's it. In the Shining, in the Shining, <laughs> yeah. But now, as an as an adult, and now as filmmaking has matured and the storytelling of horror has has matured, a horror film can be anything now, and that's what's really great about it. And I think that's why we're in really the best age and era for 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 horror filmmaking and storytelling because a horror movie can be something from John Krasinski's um a quiet place a quiet place to the witch to under the skin to a ghost story to a, ghost story, a, a guy under yeah. a sheet to killing of a sacred deer these are all horror films and they're so different from one another uh the genre has really expanded its range into every facet of storytelling in these days. I really think that the audience for horror has grown so much because of there's just such a diversity of the types of movies that are being made in the genre. Of course, there were countless tiny budget horror films from the 70s and 80s every that Depama nobody movie. saw yeah. that even just the most trippiest ideas you can think of they were being made but they were getting no wide release they were maybe opening up to like 20 movie theaters <laughs> that no one ever heard of $100,000 budget I'm sure thousands and thousands of those were made went under the radar but now I think there's just such a demand that these $5 million movies are being made in these studios like A24 and Blumhouse that have just made all their bread and butter off these unknown, unproven filmmakers coming up with great ideas. Well, yeah, Blumhouse was built off the back of Paranormal Activity. Yeah, and then yeah. with Blumhouse, they made movies like Get Out, Sinister. They've done stuff like The Black Phone, Happy Death Day, The Purge, Us, The Invisible Man, Split. They do all the new Halloween movies, this entire century, pretty much. Ma, Upgrade, Insidious, Ouija, Oculus, Creep, Black Box, Amityville, The Gallows. It has to have Blumhouse the highest profit margin it's of pretty any damn studio. High. And then a studio, obviously, like A24, which obviously they make all kinds of movies. They've got an Academy Award with Moonlight, but they've made horror movies like Under the Skin, The Witch, Hereditary, Midsummer, The Lighthouse, X this year, The Killing of a Sacred Deer, The Lobster, High Life, The Green Knight. Ex Machina, A Ghost Story, Green Room, Lamb, St. Maud, Enemy, Room, Tusk, Bodies, 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 It Comes at Night, Life, Af Life After Beth, Slice. Slice was good. Men, yeah. So all these great small budget for the general, generally horror movies that have done really well, not just box office, but with audiences. Was Slice Anya Taylor-Joy's first movie? Slice, um, or am I thinking of... No, Zazie no, Beats. Never mind. Slice is Zazie Beats. No, it's about... Isn't that with the... Um, you're thinking of Splice. Splice. Oh, I'm thinking of Splice. Splice is yeah. Ozzy Beats. She is a pizza delivery. The pizza one. Yeah, okay, pizza my one, bad. Yeah. yeah, my bad. The pizza one. Um, but I think that Blumhouse and A24 especially understood the, the the potential. And they understood that you don't have to make a $50 million movie to make a, a, you know your box office and make some returns. And I think that Jason Blum in particular, he worked as an assistant and a producer for years. And he, he cut his teeth. Um, being like a, a assistant to producer, so he learned the ropes, and he saw like a, the ability for a film to really find an audience just from word of mouth, just from a good trailer. It doesn't have to have stars in it. Doesn't have to have all the money in the world. It can be set in one location, uh, but and people will still flock out to the theater if it's good. Smile is an example of that. Was it seven million dollar budget, something like that, and it's destroying, and it came out of nowhere. And it's all word of mouth. It had a great marketing campaign. 
every time we saw that trailer in theaters, the audiences were always like what is chiming this movie? after. Like, you could hear them chirping. They teased, they teased Smile so well. We'd been seeing trailers and little short clips from it in the movie theaters since the spring, I feel like. that. Oh, yeah. Even like in April, I remember seeing like trailers. Like I'm like, what is this movie about the smiling thing? And then we've got the real trailer like two months ago. And then they had the audience members at the playoff baseball games in the stands with the smile the bright <laughs> yellow shirts and just doing creepy smiles so they were really clever with their marketing which a lot of these movies are you have to be and i think the the modern american boom in in horror and its sophisticated storytelling and its evolution is really indebted to international films and i think that south korea and japan in particular have been making those, these filmmakers have been making terrific horror films for the last two decades. And general audiences haven't been seeing them until the streaming world catapulted into our living rooms and you could watch anything from all around the world. Before it was just Netflix Before and like just getting Netflix. the DVDs yeah. by, by mail. Yeah. Because they weren't, they weren't even available to rent on Netflix. Oh, yeah, not at all. But Japan and South Korea, they're putting out fantastic horror films that are like this current American boom. And you have to, you can't help but correlate and connect the modern American storytelling in the genre to that great storytelling that was really being spearheaded by directors like um, Park Chan Wook, like Bong Joon Ho, like um, Mike Takashi Mike. Um, I think these filmmakers really inspired uh, this new wave of American horror in particular. I completely agree. And also, like you said, the complexity and the nuance of the stories have just grown so much in modern horror, in Hollywood horror, you could say, Hollywood horror films. It's even with something like The Babadook, which is from Australia, directed by Jennifer Kent, the plots of the films in the movie Monsters themselves have become more nuanced, where The Babadook, obviously, if you haven't seen that movie, you might want to... I'm going to give you a spoiler in a couple seconds about what it's about. Give you a chance to skip 15 seconds. The villain, the, the antagonist of the Babadook is guilt and grief. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor versus a, there actually yeah. being a movie monster. The monster is her grief. And that's really interesting and really sophisticated. And I love, I like movies like that. We didn't really get horror movies like that before the 2010s, I feel like. Never. In, in this century. And I think that studios, once movies like Hostel and Saw did really well, they all the studios hit that kind of subgenre really hard and there is an appetite for for gory stuff i love gore but when it's done in moderation like in like i saw the devil <laughs> that's a great movie where the gore is intense and it's shocking but it's you're not watching people like get torn to bits throughout the entire film you know what i mean and so it's sprinkled throughout the film and it has more impact that way Whereas I, I, would, I grew tired of gore, 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 and here we go again with the, the, the next sequel of the gore franchise. And it, I think that studios, they hit it so hard that for people like me, I didn't want to see any more of it. And I wanted something new. And then I discovered, I think like the first like sophisticated um, postmodernist horror film that I discovered was probably Dogtooth. Because I would call that a horror film. Yeah. It's All like, of your yeah. gross movies are technically horror yeah. films. And that, even even um, the uh, the favor is in, in yeah, different ways, yeah, kind and, of yeah. a psychological horror. And when I saw Dogtooth, 
I was like, wow, I've never seen a movie like this before. And there's a lot, the, the scenes in that can be quite horrific in a lot of ways, especially psychologically and extremely d- disturbing in a lot of ways, but also really funny and strange and brilliant in a lot of, in, in so many ways. I saw that like when I was like 18, 17, and I was like, wow, I need to watch more movies like this. And then I just start, I was like, I want something that's not all gore. It could be mentally horror, horrific and terrifying on a psychological level and that i can i see is more impactful and that's where like uh, rosemary's baby i think is one of the best in the entire genre and will when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply never be topped because it's so psychologically terrifying especially the ending and it still just gives me goosebumps and the suspense the suspense building is what so many of these young filmmakers are becoming brilliant at it's kind of like sports where like the athletes today are are so much more advanced physically from their training and modern uh, medicine and modern training methods that you can see that a lot of filmmakers They've learned so much from the past and from horror movies from the 70s and 80s, from Kubrick, from uh, Polanski of how to build suspense brilliantly. Park Chan-wook might be the master of suspense right now. You know, his films harken back to Hitchcock for sure. Bong Bong Joon-ho. But I think Park Chan-wook, we got to see his movie. We can go see it tomorrow night if you want. Uh, Decision to Leave is the latest film. He's, I think, one of the best working in the genre because he's definitely that that line of horror and psychological horror but he's just a master of building suspense but also at the same time even though the genres become so sophisticated and unique there's still plenty of horror movies that come out every year that are just a straight up bloodbath horror movie but they're done so well and executed so well that they're so enjoyable i mean x Ty West's latest uh, first film that came out this year. He had three movies coming out this year. <laughs> Guys, the Beast, we've been talking about him for years. <laughs> X is just a classic slasher horror film harkening back to the 70s, and it's done so well, executed brilliantly, story told so masterfully by Ty West, who's literally made like eight movies at this point in his career, something like that. It's a classic slasher, and it works so well in addition to all the other kinds of horror movies we're getting in this boom. Yeah, Happy Death Day is another great slasher movie that's just a lot of fun. And then we get films like, I think what Krasinski did with The Quiet Place is really fantastic, where he had a decent budget, and it's sci-fi in a lot of ways, but the direction was so phenomenal. I think it's one of the best directed horror films of the decade, and it really should go down as one of the best of the century so far. I think it was really stunning, and he made a really great sequel as well. And also, I think a, a, a strong subgenre that has really taken shape over the last 10 years is the supernatural horror genre. Has probably been maybe the most successful when you have films like The Conjuring, Insidious, uh, Ghost Stories, Supernatural, Haunted Houses. Those have become extremely popular, and a lot of them are being well-made. I think The Conjuring is probably the most solid horror, horror franchise consistency-wise that we have right now. Currently, yeah, for sure. I mean, in terms of franchises, we have 
A Quiet Place is now a franchise. There'll be a third one of those movies. I think that constitutes a franchise. If oh, you definitely. Have more yeah. than two. The Conjuring. Annabelle has turned into a franchise. Insidious is a franchise. The Purge might be also like The Conjuring, one of the most well-known and successful franchises in contemporary horror for sure. They've made like seven of those in movies. In a TV show. It feels like Halloween's a franchise. They've made, what, five of those this century? Five Halloween movies? They've made... Yeah, in the last in the five last, in the last twenty years, in the, yeah, last, in the last fifteen years, there have been five of them. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Paranormal Activity, but also we've been getting a lot of reboots. Obviously, the Halloween's reboots will never end. Scream has been rebooted twice. The best one by far is it. Oh, 100 percent. It Chapter One again. I think one of the best horror films of the decade. A terrific reboot and reimagining of the story, and it's a it's a it's a story that I think absolutely needed a reboot because the tv miniseries aged kind of pretty poorly yeah and so i think it was that's a property where i was like all for a remake on all for it being put in theaters and when we were kids the it series was terrifying that was a terrible terrifying little miniseries it was like three movies i think yeah tv series yeah. But when i look back on it it seems comical especially like yeah the character it has an age of pennywise yeah. it's not our it's just the, the yeah. way it was but the team actors and Machete really did a phenomenal job with that film. And I think that is, without a doubt, the best remake we've seen in horror in a long time. When I saw It, Chapter 1 in theaters, just It, it was 2017 when it came out, I believe. I remember sitting in the theater and realizing, being there in my mind, being like, holy crap, this is like a new era of horror that we're in. You know, I'd already seen some great horror films in that in those like first those years leading up to it. But like after seeing It... I was like, we are in a different class now, different era of gore, different era of what you can do with monsters and movie monsters, because I'd never really seen anything like what they did with Pennywise in that movie. And it was truly a terrifying movie theater experience. It's one of the most unsettling movies I've seen in cinemas. And I had a great time because of what they were able to do. Andy Machete, like all the credit to him. That's why I'm still have hopes that the flash is going to pull. He's yeah. Gonna pull that's up. why I think the movie's going to do well because really he's a great talented director. director. And I he was watching, Mama. yeah, I remember watching it and being blown away in it, terms of like, I've never seen anything like that in horror. And what made it stand out was it was probably one of the highest budget horror movies in recent memory. It was about a $40 million budget. For horror films, that's a lot. I mean, we're talking most of these movies on this list are under ten. So he had it was it's actually it's like the big scale horror movie. And when horror movies generally get that much money, they gen they ha they don't make that much. Like this movie made seven hundred million dollars. It was one of the most successful films of the entire year. You could put that on a list of all time. Yeah, so all these films, a lot of these films were very successful for their budgets. Um, and they made a great return on investment in a lot of ways, but None of them were the runaway success that It Chapter 1 was. The second film, I think, did like half a bill. Yeah. But to make $700 million for rated R, that still is so extremely rare. And what, what an accomplishment for that crew. Not to mention what I'm really liking about the horror genre is so many high-caliber, A-list talent and movie stars are choosing to star in very low-budget, small independent horror films. I mean, we all know about Ethan Hawke and Sinister. We all know about this, it's, yeah. It's a great movie, and Ethan Hawke is the movie. He's phenomenal in that film, and he you can tell he probably had a great time doing it, and he, he loves doing small independent stuff, and I believe he still does stage plays, which is really cool. And, you know, him and Scott Derrickson, what they pulled off with Sinister, they were able to do again with the black phone and pulled off another great horror movie. Unfortunately, Sinister went in 
the wrong direction. The sequels weren't very good. That that franchise fizzled out. But then you bring it, then something like someone like Scarlett Johansson, who is in Under the Skin, which I still think a lot of people have not seen, but it might be one of the best movies on this list. It could be like one of the Shining-esque level films on this list because it really is a modern masterpiece. I would say Pattinson might be the best of them all because he's in he's in High Life. He was in The Lighthouse, one of the most famous people alive. He can do any movie he wants, and he keeps choosing to do these strange, incredible, but weird, small projects. Like, the Lighthouse budget was like, what, 7 mil from Eggers? And then Claire Denis, the great French filmmaker, she made High Life for like 5 million and this guy, he was in a Nolan movie and in a Batman movie back-to-back. Those are the scales of movies he can be in, but instead he chooses to also make these tiny projects with incredible incredible artists. And so I think it's really commendable for him to be, be able to – I mean, yes, he has the benefit of being wealthy, all the success off the Twilight franchise. And he can kind of handpick what he wants yeah, to do. Yeah, he can pick what he wants to do, but I think it's really interesting that he chooses – not to keep making as much money as he can, and he chooses instead to work on a, a movie where he's probably making the SAG minimum, and he doesn't even care. Bro, he got that that Twilight, Twilight money. money. <laughs> That's still rolling. Yeah, but in. there's still plenty of actors that are rich, and they keep making still, movies for the money. You know how much insurance costs on a Ferrari, bro? Come we on. We know Pattinson doesn't have a Ferrari. <laughs> but uh, the thing with Pattinson, it's, it's probably doesn't have a car. It's such a blessing that he was doing these interesting, weird projects because he almost didn't get the Batman because the studios and his agents, everyone knew that. Pattinson only wants to do weird stuff, and he's and like even when his agent he did like three Cronenberg movies. He asked his yeah. agents about. I was like, "Hey, I heard they're making a Batman movie. What's going on with that?" And they're like, "Don't you just want to do small weird stuff?" He's like, "Well, Batman is a weirdo. Like, I'm really into that. So, like, thank God. I mean, you could probably say that if he wasn't into these weird small independent films, he wouldn't have had that interaction. I'm gonna have to fact check you here. What? It was for Tenet. For Tenet? Yeah, because he got cast in Tenet. No, I was watching an interview with him about this. It was about Batman. Yeah, because he said he said. He, and then in the interview, he said, Batman's the ultimate freak. Like, I would love to play a freak like that. No, because like I, that. I think this is a different interview that I'm thinking of where he said um, where they were looking for a Nolan. Nolan was looking for an actor in his movies, and then his agent brought it up, and he's like, oh, I'd like to go for that. And they're like, I thought you just wanted to do weird movies. Well, the thing with Pattinson, a lot of his interviews are just kind of yeah. lots of lies going yeah. on. So I think we're both right. Because Nolan's a huge, mo- I, a I rem- huge movie. I remember this because he specifically no, I know said— He's like, he's just another freak. Yeah. I know exactly the interview you're so talking about. So I think about. they're both right, and they're both wrong probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he's, he makes great choices. True, but also Colin Farrell with uh, uh, Lorgos, I mean, Yorgos Lanthimos movies. I mean, this Yorgos cat reinvigorated Colin Farrell's career. Absolutely. With, with Killing of a Sacred Deer and then— I'm sorry. What's the, the lobster? The lobster. Like every, it, I think it really made people, and also his work with Martin McDonough in in Bruges. In Bruges, but in Bruges was it's well known. It's a cult black comedy for sure. Like people love he it. He won a Golden Globe. But in terms of popularity and resurging his career in, I'm Hollywood, talking about creatively. Okay, creatively. So creatively, yeah. I mean, he won a Golden Globe for that. And those are about the same year. Um, what year in, was um, in Bruges? In Bruges. In Bruges was like 20, 2009? 2000, no, it's 2008. Okay. 2008? Okay, yeah, so around that time. And then his work with Yorgos, I think creatively it gave filmmakers like... Oh, my... Give Sacred Deer is 2017. 17? So that's what I mean. There's like, I feel like no, there's the a No, The Lobster gap. was 2014? Let me check. The Lobster movie... 2015. 2015. There was a bit of a gap, I think. Yeah, that's definitely a few years. But I think that, okay, especially his work with Yorgos... Filmmakers were like, this guy, he does have the stuff, and we maybe we forgot about him. And then he got 
fantastic beats and a ton of huge projects, but also still doing great artistic projects. And I think that he has, in the last 10 years, solidified his status as one of the best actors of his generation. He's up there for Without sure. A doubt. I think it's people didn't take him seriously after he did Daredevil. And then the, um, the recruit, re- the recruit, I like the recruit. Yeah. Yeah. And then Total Recall was a bomb. His career was kind of in a weird place, but I think you're right. It was like the killing of a sacred deer, the lobster that really ha- gave us a Colin Farrell resurgence big time. And because I don't think in Bruges was, even though he won a Golden Globe. In Europe, it was big, but not in America. I don't think it was very yeah. big in America. People yeah. like it. I know a lot of people that have seen it and, and really enjoy it, but it was not. A, it's not a popular movie, I would say. Yeah, I agree. Like film people know in Bruges, but oh, the yeah. average person has no idea that movie even what it is. It fucking Bruges? Ex- fucking Bruges? <laughs> It's like a fa- it's like a fucking fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he's really uh, his career is in a great trajectory right now, and he's doing a twenty four movies. So I think Colin Farrell is someone that like every filmmaker I think wants to work with him. I would, I mean, if I could, I would cast Colin Farrell in the second. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But so many great actors are working in these small films. That's a great point because I think they see the potential for also the creativity of it now. Because the storytelling has changed and become more advanced and more nuanced, there's great roles for actors. I think Tony Collette's role in Hereditary, she had so much to do. And that's a perfect example of it's just like any actor would love the opportunity to take that on. And in particular, her performance is one of the best and one of the standouts of the last decade i think over time it'll be as yeah. iconic as shelly duvall in the shining oh yeah and it's just it's a magnificent performance and it's so such a powerhouse and really it really carries the film and it's a small horror film and i think like in the 2000s there weren't really great roles for great actors to want to take on in horror mm-hmm. and that's why you know the films maybe that's that's a testament to the i think the quality of the storytelling for films of that era, of that decade of the 2000s, where I think most horror movies weren't interesting, especially creatively for someone who is performing as an actor. Like, now big-name actors are working in horror films because the roles are so intriguing and probably just as rewarding as, like, an Oscar bait movie they're working in. I completely agree. I completely agree. Also, I mean, James McAvoy oh, in yeah. Split... One of the best performances. People love that performance. He's so terrific in that movie. He makes that movie, but that role, James McAvoy in Split, that will go down in like 20 years as one of people's favorite horror movie monster performances of all time. That's just going to be one of the favorite performances of all time. And it's going to be one of the, it's going to be a role where people will be talking about, be like, best performances never nominated. And that's going to be one of them. He's terrific in that movie. It really is one of the best performances I've seen. Uh, it's up there for like the last 15 years it's even terrific. though we know it's an it's an unrealistic characters characterization of the the mental disorder that he's portraying in the film and you really we get gypped by m night because like the billboards are like he has like 21 personalities yeah when really you only see like five in the what movie a, what a six. tease <laughs> what a tease but um it's an it's an uh inaccurate representation of the disorder for sure and i think that one of our great horror directors the great Mexican auteur, Guillermo, Guillermo del, Toro. del Toro. Oh, yeah. He has made some really incredible horror films. I think The Shape of Water is a part horror film. It's a fantasy horror film. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of a monster movie. Yeah, it's, it's, a monster it. movie. it's a monster movie. It's a monster yeah. movie. Um, but I don't think it was billed as a horror film. It's uh, a fairy tale. Yeah, it's, it's billed as a fairy tale, but I think it is a horror film. One best picture. There are a lot of horror elements to it. I mean, yeah. Michael Shannon's character is, an, is a horrible, horrific yeah. character, you know? Yeah, I think, and I think you have a monster in your, in your movie. It's a horror film. Yeah. 
And I think that it's a wonderful movie. And I also think that his film that came out last year, Nightmare Alley, was absolutely incredible. It was, it was my second favorite film of the year. And I thought in his filmography, it's number two. And it's behind Pan's Labyrinth. Actually, oh, I don't, what do you have number one? Well, I have my top three for him are Pan's mm, Shape of Water, Nightmare Alley. So it's a great top. But it's three. right below. It's right below Shape of Water. That's like a Hall of Fame career with just those. It's three unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's like Tom. It's like Tom Brady's first ten years. <laughs> Tom Brady reference. There we go. Got it out of the way. <laughs> um, Is Henry Cavill in any of these movies? No. <laughs> out of the way. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and Nightmare Alley really flew under the radar. It made no money, and it got no awards recognition. I think it got maybe production design nominations. But I watched it twice. And I watched I watched it the second time, like a week after I had seen it in theaters, and it's really an unbelievable film. And I'm not sure why it didn't catch um, the audiences because I thought it was really number two that year. Yeah, it was one of the best productions of the year, hands down. And Bradley Cooper is incredible. Rooney Mara's the cast is great. Kate Blanchett, phenomenal, always, always phenomenal. And I it was so much. I think it was might have been too dark and too mature. And it, it maybe it's not what people wanted. Maybe people didn't like the period setting of the circus. That was brilliant. I had so much fun seeing yeah, that movie. Yeah, but I really adored that film. And, and he has Del Toro really is the master of horror. I think working today, I can't uh, wait to watch his horror anthology show yeah. that's coming on Netflix. Yeah, and it's because of his his real true love for horror. I mean, we all know about his horror house with all this memorabilia from the genre throughout history. His in. His ador- adoration for the macabre. I mean, he got to start. His his mentor was a great um, movie special, special effects, effects artist, yeah. monster creator. And it really is a testament to if if you really love someone, if you really love something, <laughs> <laughs> your passion will show in your work. And he really is someone who is so in love with the genre of horror and respects it and probably knows more about it than anyone. And I think that's why his movies time and time again are really special and nobody really makes them like he does. He's in horror. Like you said, he's a horror, a tour. Everything he touches has horror elements to it. Even yeah. the Pinocchio film, which I cannot wait to see his stop motion animated film that's coming to Netflix this year. It has horror elements to it, to it as well. And I love Netflix making a deal with him for that. And also his Netflix TV series, the cab, ca- uh, Guillermo del Toro's cabinet of curiosities, which I cannot Looks wait to cool. see. Looks cool. I think it's coming out this October, right? Which yeah, is going to be coming phenomenal. out for Halloween. Can't wait to see it. It's in a horror anthology series. Um, I mean, but staying on horror movies in general for this this boom right now. The boom. I think we're still we're, we have like a spoiler of riches. I think right now. Oh yeah. And besides great auteurs like Guillermo del Toro in great international films, we have these great young filmmakers. I mean, Jordan Peele, who what's he in his forties now? I think he's in his 50s. It, is he, I don't think he's in his 50s. He's, he was on Mad TV, bro. Hold on. Let's see how old Jordan Peele is. <laughs> I think he's probably like 46. Jordan Peele. I'd say he's 51. He's starting to get the salt and pepper hair. Jordan Peele is 43. Called it. He's 43? 43. Yeah, wow. he's super young. He was super young when he was on Mad TV. I guess, dude. yeah. Yeah, he, he was. But if, it seems like I he's, think because I've been watching him for so long, it yeah, makes me Key think that Peele, he's older. He, he, he did so many seasons of Key and Peele. Yeah. But with so maybe not necessarily like a young like I'm in my twenties filmmaker, but uh, young filmmakers in terms of not making that many movies. Jordan Peele's only made three movies, all great. We have Ari Aster who's only made two movies, well two 
studio-backed feature-length feature films. Fil- yeah. Uh, with Hereditary, Midsummer, and he's got his third movie coming out, Disappointment Boulevard, this year. Which I can't. This year? I'm pretty sure it's this year. They haven't even released any marketing. Let me, I doubt let me that. double this, check on I that. I doubt it's this year. Uh, Disappointment Boulevard, which will be starring Joaquin Phoenix, and no one knows anything about this movie besides it's just a quick logline that it's about one of the most wealthiest entrepreneurs in the world has like a mental breakdown or something like that. So Disappointment Boulevard comes out in 2022, bro. What's the date? Where's the 2020? Hold on. Wikipedia says 2022. They can't be. They haven't released it. They haven't even released a photo. Yeah, it's got to be 2023. All right, it's 2023. It got moved. All right. They wouldn't not release a photo. Robert Eggers, one of the most Hmm. exciting young horror filmmakers for sure. Uh, Yorgos is great. Jennifer Kent. But then we have still greats making awesome movies. I mean, Park Chan-wook, the guy is still putting out incredible movies every couple years. Can't wait to see Decision to Leave. I highly recommend checking it out. If you haven't seen his other films, obviously he mo- he made one of our favorite movies of all time with Old Boy. The Handmaiden's incredible. Park Chan-wook is a legend. Thirst is a great horror Martin movie. Martin Scorsese. Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Movie. Unbelievable movie. Uh, Yun Sang Ho from South Korea who made Train to Busan. And then the sequel to that, Train to Busan is one of the best zombie movies of the century, hands down. It's one of my all-time favorite zombie movies for Squid sure. Squid Game is horror. Yeah, Squid Game is yeah. horror. I mean, yeah, there's plenty of TV horror for sure. Yeah. Um, then Sam Raimi's still making horror movies. I mean, he, uh, Drag Me to Hell was 2009, but I still kind of feels like a contemporary modern horror boom movie. And then, obviously- oh, um, Gaspar Noe made a great horror film called Climax. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. It's a one take, and that's it, right. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's 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 a uh, it's a real one take. It's not blended. It's legit. And holy crap, it's crazy. Then some other studios besides A24 and Blumhouse that have getting into a lot of recognition for their horror movies that we can talk about after we go to our intermission. How's that sound? Sounds great. I like how you did that. <laughs> I thought you were, I was listening. You're like, yeah. oh, I'm excited. <laughs> What's he going to say next? Don't worry. There's some other studios that we're going to bring up. <laughs> Before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast, besides using our coupon codes, is to share us with your movie friends and movie family members and become a patron for as little as $2 at patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. We have several different tiers of patronage, and each one comes with awesome perks. Sometimes you get a video message or a personal message. $10, $25, $100 to your patrons get access to our personal Discord film community. It's so much fun. We have over 100 people on there. We're interacting all day, every day. We have watch parties on there as well. $25 and $100 to your patrons get their own custom episode. You pick the topic. We do it for you. $100 $100 to your patrons. You are the chosen ones. You become an executive producer at the end of every main episode. You hear your name. You get a personal watch party, any movie you want. And after three months, you get to come on the show for a fun guest segment. Patreon is the reason why we can do the show full time and make all this goddamn content for you every week that is impossible to watch and listen to. But it's because of you. So thank you so much. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped.com. And instead of a slasher movie with a knife... They have a grooming movie ready for you with their Lawmower 4.0 Groomer. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. The Lawmower 4.0 Groomer is the ultimate grooming accessory. Has a 7,000 RPM motor. That's a lot of RPMs, guys. So many. Skin safe. It's got a built-in flashlight. It's waterproof. A wireless charger. You don't have to plug this thing in at all. And you can even use it in the shower if you want with the lights off. It's that great. Manscaped also launched their Boxer Briefs 2.0. Guys, if you're listening to me right now, 
You got to get their Boxer Briefs 2.0. They're beyond comfortable. They come in awesome, fun, cool designs, very colorful, some cool fonts and, and graphics on them, as well as they got this extra space for your junk to make you a little more comfortable when you're packing heat, rolling through the rolling through the neighborhood. Packing heat. <laughs> <laughs> With your pants on. <laughs> extra comfort. Get to manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost. You get 20% off and free shipping world wide our other amazing sponsor is movieposters.com you know them use our special promo code at their website raiders 10 to get 10 percent off your order today they have a gigantic selection of pretty much every movie and tv show imaginable in their poster library lots of horror posters from all over the world every era so if you want some horror posters you gotta go to movieposters.com they have all sorts of sizes framing and even backlighting, so whatever your poster needs are, they got you. Again, head on over to movieposters.com and use our promo code RAIDERS10 to get 10% off your order today. All right, let's get into our intermission of this episode and begin with our movie quote competition. You ready, Anthony? Oh, yeah. Let's see if you can get this one. It's actually pretty easy. Just let the, let the audience guess as well, okay? I feel lethal on the verge of a frenzy. I think my mask of sanity is about to slip. <laughs> Let's see Paul Allen's card. <laughs> Let's, Let's see, see Paul, Paul Allen's card. card. My God, even as a watermark. I can't believe he prefers this. <laughs> Paul Allen's card to mine. All right. Here's my quote. Have you ever... It's two people. Well, you gotta, you gotta say the movie, bro. Oh, American Psycho. Yeah, you gotta make an answer. Come on. You do. You answer with a quote sometimes. You didn't, I think, always, I, you didn't think I knew that I the always, movie was American I, Psycho. I, I, I always say the movie. I always answer the question. This is Jeopardy rules play. No, sometimes you just say a quote. Uh-uh. Yes, you do. I always say the answer. When Name one time. I can't think off the top of my head. Name one time. Probably. I think it happened like two episodes ago. Go, go look back in the, in the info. In the archives. In the, in the archives. Pull up the, pull up the footage. I want to see it. Oh, it's probably on your computer. I doubt it. <laughs> Not anymore. It's not because <laughs> <laughs> you're like I think you're like I think I did answer definitely, the quote. Definitely didn't answer the quote. If I did answer the quote, I followed up with the movie answer. No nope. movie. Okay, here's my quote. Two people talking. Um, Have... let me guess. <laughs> Such a wise ass. <clears throat> Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever killed anyone? Um, <laughs> say it again. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. It's <laughs> a great movie line. I don't know what is it. True Lies. Oh, Arnold. Is that when uh, Jamie Lee questions him about it? Yep. <laughs> it's a great movie. All right, guess this movie release year. The Birds by Alfred Hitchcock. 1958. 1953. God damn it. That's way off. Guess this movie release here. My girl. My girl. My, my girl. girl. Talking about my, my girl. girl. My girl. Ooh. Oh, here we go. 
Oh my god, stop. <laughs> He's like, you should see your face. You were like, were you trying to seduce me? <laughs> oh my god. He was like staring right into my soul. Well, he snapped his fingers. <laughs> I was making direct eye contact. <laughs> Calling you I my girl. uncomfortable. <laughs> um, that whiskey? <laughs> I'm going to say 1993. One. Oh, 1991. Close. Close. Close, man. Is that Macaulay? <sighs> yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I, think, I, I thought remember. it was Macaulay Culkin. Mm, I don't think so. Let me double check. Yeah, double check. I'm My not... girl, 1991. Mm-hmm. Stars Macaulay... No, yeah. Hold on. Coming of age. Come on, load. Yeah, it's Macaulay Culkin. Oh, cool. Yeah. Good and me. then uh, who's the girl? What's her name? Anna Chlumsky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's uh, in inventing Anna. What's the, and oh the, that show? She's in yeah. Actually, okay. she's not like you probably recognize her, but she's yeah. She's not the lead. Anyways, moving on to <laughs> <laughs> movie pop quiz time. Who directed the Mummy? Turtle Tob. Turtle no nineteen ninety nine. It's uh, oh it's both of his names start with J. Damn it, what is it? John Johnson. (laughs) Mike Michaels. Shut up. Um, Oh, man, he did the G.I. Joe, too. What's his name? Um, Shit. I don't know. Steven Summers. Steven Summers. Thanks, man. You're welcome. I I threw myself off with the J. You did. It's not a J at all. It's an S. He's absolutely right. He's <laughs> absolutely right. <laughs> you know what? Foamy latte gets me bloated. <laughs> Chuckle beam. <laughs> okay, here's uh, my quiz question. How many Halloween movies has Jamie Lee Curtis starred in? Was she in... The, I'm trying to think. Is she in Halloween 3? Because she's in 1, 2, H2O... Gatorade. She's in. She she's in the 2018 one. No, I'm gonna, she's not. She, she's not. <laughs> is she not? She is. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say she's on the poster. <laughs> it's like that poster where it's like the the black and white poster with like her like leaning against the wall. Anyways, I'm gonna say six. Correct. Nailed it. She is uncredited with the voice cameo in number three. Yeah, because I know she's not on camera. Yeah. Yeah, because you love that movie. I've seen it. I just I don't know why it's burned into my memory. <laughs> Which one's that? It's the one with with Michael killing people. <laughs> he hasn't seen it. He has not seen it. Well, I knew she no was fucking. Way. I've seen it. No, I've, no dude, I've seen it. Explain it. Don't Google it. He's googling <laughs> it. He's googling I'm it. Not. It's season of the Witch. It, Shut up. It came out and you did it, not even know that. Off the top of my head, it's a five point one on IMDb. <laughs> Tommy Lee Wallace directed it, forty seven percent Rotten Tomatoes. Such a liar! You no, but I knew it. I knew that she wasn't in it. <laughs> so we, full of shit. We, how did I get? How did I say that out loud? You were just guessing. No, I, I was not guessing. I said she's not in number three. Yeah, you're just jealous because I got it. You you've not seen it. I have seen it. <laughs> no, how did I know she wasn't in it then? It was a guess. It was not a guess. It was a guess. <laughs> Hey, everyone, let us I know. I refuse to believe that you've right, seen Halloween In the DMs, 3. let us know, everybody, if, if I was guessing or not. Let us know if I was guessing. Or if Anthony's just being a salty guy right now. He's a, he's a rim of a margarita right now. <laughs> I just smell bullshit is all. It's, it's wafting in the air. Got it right. Got bullshit. Bo- got both right. Got both right. 
Okay. Yeah, because I knew she had like a cameo. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't I, say. I knew, that. I knew she was like off screen. Putting, putting, no, <laughs> both words are being put in my mouth. I said she's not on screen. <laughs> I said I knew she wasn't on screen. After I said it, you're like, oh yeah, yeah. I just need a confirmation. <laughs> so bullshit. She needs a confirmation. <laughs> Such bullshit. Who got it right? Who got it right? I'm not saying you got it wrong. You got it absolutely 100 percent correct. I'm just saying you're full of shit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it's smarter than you. <laughs> Let's move on. Move it on. <laughs> Who we got for um for uh, unsubscribes or any haters? Oh, I actually have an unsubscribe first before you bring them up. We sure. have a uh, Twitter unsubscribe <laughs> from um. Hold on. It's probably terrible. No, no. There's a a buddy, a fan of ours, Tommy Stark. He uh, unsubscribed to us because we didn't mention that. He, he tweeted us, you guys don't like origin movies? Unsubscribed! He tweeted that to us. <laughs> and then we didn't bring it up in the in the Cornetto Trilogy episode. Oh, sorry, pal. And I apologize to Tommy Stark saying that Anthony does not handle the Twitter, so that's my bad. Yeah. I handle the unsubscribers all over the place, except for Twitter. Yeah. So Tommy Stark, unsubscribed! Thanks, Tommy. Because we don't like origin that movies. Great. That was great. We don't not, not like them, it's just we make fun of them. Origins. Okay, here's some uh, other unsubscribes. Emmanuel DeLeo. Y'all should try this on the intermission. If not, I will unsubscribe. He's, they sent us uh, this actual fun video, like a trivia game that people play for movies. Okay. Where, where you, you think of a quote from a movie, and you just tell the other person the movie, and they have to guess the quote you're thinking of. Should we try it? Yeah, we can try it. I think it'd be a fun So segment. you think of a quote? Yeah. And, and then you tell the other person the movie, and they have to try and guess the right quote that you're thinking of. All right. Hmm. Let me... Uh... Let me think real quick. Do you have one that you came up with, or are you just bringing it up as the answer? Nah, I'm just bringing it up. Should we stick to horror? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I, I have one. Yeah? Yeah. What's the movie? The Shining. Light of my life. No. As uh, soon as possible. As soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> when do you think we should take him to a doctor? And when? <laughs> as soon as possible. <laughs> I got the right lot, the right, right scene, scene. Right yeah, scene. right scene. I was like, "What would Anthony pick?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that quote. <laughs> All right, um, let me think of of one to do. I can do an unsubscribe while you think of it. Yeah, yeah. Jake from State Farm <laughs> wrote, "I'm a day one fan, but I had to come over from Spotify to unsubscribe." After hearing about their love for that garbage fire, the Invisible Man. <laughs> Honestly, I was just never scared. Unsubscribe. Love the show. Oh, I got one. It's not horror, but um. Uh, by the way, great uh, username. It's Jake from State Farm. <laughs> the Departed. The Departed. Hold on, give me a sec. Give me a bottle of scotch and a handgun before I blow my, so I can blow my brains out. Ding, 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 ding. Yes! <laughs> you yes! got it. High five. <laughs> Do they cry, these cops of yours? Do they Do cry? They, cry? <laughs> they signed up to use their weapons. One scene. pill, one fucking pill. Great scene with Vera. Love that movie. Yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> nice. Um, you got any other unsubscribes? We good. That's it. Now, we don't have any <laughs> new five-star reviews. <laughs> it's like For a, those of you who aren't watching, I like cupped my hands together and Jim did the exact same thing. <laughs> now, like a guidance counselor or like a camp counselor. I'm, now, children. I've never done that before. Or a cult leader. Children. <laughs> Let us pray. Um, we don't have any new written five-star reviews. It's so. okay. It's okay. Yeah. Sorry. We've gotten so many already. We have um, uh, so many. Yeah. We could always have more. <laughs> <laughs> That's never enough. Patrick, baby, you can always be thinner. Look better. Look better. <laughs> your, sc- your, sin's, your skin's so soft. So smooth. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, you. 
you. You have such nice skin, Mr. Bateman. So, so soft, soft, so smooth. So smooth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On this day in film history, today is October 24th. In 1926, Harry Houdini's last performance at the Garrick Theater in Detroit, Michigan is occurs in 19 <laughs> <laughs> it was a run-on it sentence. was a curse it was a run-on <laughs> sentence i tried to fix it <laughs> in 1962 the manchurian candidate directed by john frankenheimer is released starring frank sinatra frankie in 1976 the first toronto international film festival opens up in 2002 hero starring jet lee is released in 2003 scary movie 3 and radio are released in 2014 john wick is released and happy birthday to f murray abraham and kevin klein my streaming recommendation is a movie from Guillermo del Toro, Kronos. It's on HBO Max. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, my God. 1993, pretty early film for him. Not his first. <sighs> it's like one of, it's like a third movie or a fourth movie. His first movie was about it's this um this home, this home with a ghost boy. What's it called? I can't remember what it's called. Um, but Kronos is really good. It's a vampire movie. But it, like he has a really unique take on the vampire mythos. It's great. My streaming recommendation, actually not horror, it's Philomena on Netflix. It's a really great UK film based on a true story about a woman who has been searching for her lost son for 50 years in the journalist who helps her find him and stars the dame Judy Dench. I was going to say, yeah, I've never seen Steve this, but Coogan. I, yeah, Steve it's Coogan. really good. It's honestly, it's like a really great heartwarming, um, tragic, uplifting drama. Both of them are, t- they're a terrific pair together, just like opposites stuck together. And the splat did the score. It's a really beautiful score, but it's a great, charming movie. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. Nice. All right. Just added on Netflix. Let's get back into our modern horror boom episode. Let's do it. And where I left you off, I was about to bring up some smaller, newer production distribution companies making great horror films. And I think Neon is a really interesting Neon, yeah. Movie product picture company. Uh they made movie ma- picture company. <laughs> motion motion picture company. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Neon. I'm sure you've seen the logo in movies. Uh my favorite from them is Mandy, the Nick Cage films. Uh, an Oscar winner who's been in a great horror film. Nick Cage picks a ton of movies to do every year. He's got to pay those bills for insurance on castles and, and helicopters and stuff like that. But I think Mandy is a really special movie. It's a trip. Not everyone likes this movie. It's uh, it's kind of like a movie. It's great horror, great gore, but it's sort of like you're an acid the entire time. And I think it's just really un- underrated, and I think people should check it out. Annihilation is from Neon as well. Climax, which you just brought up. Bad Times at the El Royale. The Neon Demon from Nicholas Winding Refn, and then Censor, which is a pretty good horror movie that we saw at Sundance a couple years ago. There's also two that I really liked: Antlers, Antlers by yeah. Scott Cooper, really terrific horror film that came out last year with Carrie Russell and Jesse Plemons. I loved it. Great monster, like really great monster. And then Crimes of the Future, Cronenberg's new film this year. I loved it, and it's one of his best movies. It really, it's incredible. You gotta watch it. I gotta have like a couple drinks before. It's, I'm telling you, it's not as bad as you think it is. You'd be fine. But even with that scene in I Saw the Devil, you think I'd be able to handle it after the way I reacted to that? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was screaming on the couch and I had to look this away. This one, it's like the, a lot of the gore, it's like it's very surgical and performative. And it's not as like terrifying as you might think it is. How much of it is CGI based? There's a lot. There's a good amount of CGI. Mm-hmm. It's, um, but I think you would really like it. 
I want to check it out. I think Cronenberg's awesome, and yeah. I got to get into more of his films. I've only seen like a handful of his movies. So you gotta, I, you got to watch Videodrome, man. I want to see that now. I, I I totally forgot about that movie's existence until you brought it up for the underrated horror movies. Then I was looking into it. I'm like, this movie looks crazy. It's um, it's like it's insane. It's insane. But Neon's been making great movies and distributing great movies. I think Mandy's the best they've done so far, in my opinion. I love that movie so much. Uh, another small production house, Ghost House Pictures. They made Don't Breathe, which is a. Is this Sam Raimi's company? Ghost House Pictures? Let me, I, it might it be. It looks hold, like it. I think it is actually. Hold They've on. done Drag he, Me to Hell, Evil he produced, Dead. He produced Drag, the, yeah. yeah, so I think it is his Don't Breathe. Company. So Ghost House Pictures, Don't Breathe, is one of my favorite horror movies in the last like five, ten years. It's really, really good. It's good. Completely unique concept. It's about this blind man who's being robbed by home invaders. Home invaders. But then he begins to torment them, and I don't want to tell you what happens, but it's a brilliant concept. I'll tell you what happens. Okay. (laughs) Brilliant concept. Unfortunately, the second film ended up turning the blind man, who could have been a great horror icon going forward, into a protagonist hero character, which I think was the wrong direction for the film and for the character in general. Stephen Lane did a great job, and Jane Levy's in it as well. Um, It's really good horror. Really, really good. I also I just have to point out that on this entire list, I think my favorite in this entire list might be Black Swan. I really love Black Swan, and what Aronofsky did was really magnificent. It's a perfect film, and it's a perfect horror film. The visuals from Matthew Libatique and the production design, uh, and then, but you have one of the best performances of the century i think with natalie portman it what a stunning piece of work by her i think it's of the like the last 20 oscar winners i think it's the one that when when she won i was like she deserves it more than like anyone else i've seen in recent memory i i think it's the best performance out of all of these movies on this list even talking about tony collette who was amazing but what natalie portman did and what aronofsky did um, both their crafts just at the height of what their abilities are and peaking at the same time. And it's just a really remarkable film. I think Black Swan is so special. And I think it might put it at the top of this list. It's a phenomenal movie. It's a masterpiece. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I think it's a Shining Level-esque movie. Uh, Rosemary's Baby-esque level I think movie. it's going to look be looked at it that way. Yeah, I think in like 20 years people will remember how great it was. And... Excuse me. <clears throat> what you okay? My, my, my voice. I was talk. I was doing all the talking. And your your throat's gone. Yeah, it's gone. All right, we're coming back. Now, Black Swan is under Fox Searchlight Pictures, which is now Searchlight Pictures after Disney bought the entire planet. Most of these movies and these production houses are owned, owned by, by the, either Disney or yeah. um, Warner Brothers, except for some, like A twenty four is still owned by themselves, which is really cool. Now, Sony might own a couple too. Sony used yeah. to own some of these, but they've they've gone in and out of deals mm-hmm. with them. Like, uh, but Searchlight Pictures, in addition to Black Swan, they made movies like Stoker. Park Chan-wook made that. Um, Antlers, like Anthony brought up, Nightmare Alley, and also Ready or Not, which was such a fun original horror film that came out a few years ago, starring Samara Weaving. We talked about it in our underrated horror movie episode. It's a brilliant original idea. Like like we always say with horror movies, just show us something we've never seen before. And Ready or Not did that. I highly recommend it. Samara Weaving is phenomenal in that movie. So Searchlight Pictures has been making great films as well. Vertigo Pictures, they've been making a lot in the last few years. They did The Grudge, the, all the reboots that have been made. 
They made Barbarian this year. Don't worry, darling. Salem's Lot, which is coming out next year. I can't wait to see that Stephen King vampire movie. Uh, Doctor Sleep, they also helped produce It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2. Blair Witch, the reboot, Poltergeist, and they also made The Woman in Black starring Daniel Radcliffe. And in terms of big studio pictures, there aren't that many that are like huge studio movies, but there is one that is the outlier on this entire list. Can I guess what it is? Yes. World War Z? Correct. Let's go. It's the only movie on this list that has a hundred over $100 million budget. And I want a sequel to it more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also the only movie that has... It, like, no other movie's budget is even in the same vicinity as World War Z because if you count the reshoots they did, which threw, tacked on, like, an extra 30 mil, I think the budget ended up being about $200 million for the movie, um, all said and done, before marketing. Yeah, it says 190 so you can oh, probably nice. say, I'm right on the money. yeah, $300 million total to make them produce yeah, that movie. that's before marketing. And it, it made its money back. It made over $700 million, so it was a massive success, but I think it's... It's so rare to see a, a huge $100 million horror movie. I can't think of any any other movie that in recent memory that has that kind of budget. Well, you know why? Why? Brad Pitt, zombies. No, yeah, 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 obviously. <laughs> but I but I can't I – no other horror movie has ever had that kind of budget For before. a straight-up horror movie, I can't think of one, honestly. Yeah. And it's really – it's so great that it worked because the book is phenomenal. If you all haven't read it, it's a great anthology book about all these – little stories happening amongst the end of civilization fighting the zombies in world war z and they did a terrific job adapting kind of an impossible thing to adapt because every story is like 15 pages it's kind long. of a diary too yeah at the yeah same time the book yeah it's a diary by the journalist um but what they did was really really ter- terrific and i'm glad it worked out because uh, they put so much money into it you never want to see a movie like fail so hard it's it can be funny to laugh at them sometimes but i think that the movie was really impressive and well done uh it it brought horror it's the only movie that brought horror on the epic scale of that we're used to nowadays like a marvel movie like a transformers movie like a these huge gigantic epics it to see horror in that space was really cool in a rated r movie getting a big yeah. budget like that like a, a studios oftentimes won't give a rated R movie, $200 million, because it limits the amount of people that can go to see the movie. So they're not going to always give huge budgets like this to rated R films. But I think that they really nailed it with World War Z. And hopefully they can someday figure out a sequel to it because I think it was – I think it's really good. There are parts that I think are pretty silly, like the plane crash and stuff like that. I'm like, all right. I love the plane crash. Yeah, but I mean it's Brad Pitt. Like it doesn't have a scratch on him. It's about a zombie apocalypse. I know, bro. I know, I know. He, is, he got stabbed in the freaking gut. He had he had to have surgery. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> he, didn't, he wasn't fine. He got some staples. He got a, he got a freaking metal pole through his abdomen. Bro, I will happily take that <laughs> to survive a plane crash. <laughs> but the zombie genre is still alive and kicking really well. I mean, I think hopefully, I really really want a 28 years later movie. Oh yeah. Which I think they got to be planning that at some point. They should do it. Because 28 Days Later is great. 28 Months Later is solid. Well, no. No, it's, they've only done 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later. Oh, I'm sorry. 28 they can, Months Later. They're going to do 28 Months Later. 28 Months Later. Yeah. And then 28 Years nah, Later. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself. So 28 Weeks Later. I would love to see Months Later. It was the one starring Jeremy Renner. Yeah. I thought it was a pretty solid movie. Yeah, it was good. It's not perfect. And there's some. I have some qualms with the plot. Yeah, well, Danny Boyle didn't make it, so... But 28 Days Later is great, so I think that's a franchise that still has some juice in it because Train to Busan was phenomenal, a South Korean horror movie, a zombie I'm movie. I'm shocked they haven't put it into production yet. I mean, what, The property. 28 months later? Yeah. Me neither. Because zombies are big right now. I am sh- I'm surprised. Zombies are so hot right now. 
I've read that. Who owns that? Hold on, let's, let me check. It's um, it's a UK company. Um, I've read a Danny Boyle interview where he said he was thinking about a third one, and the writer Garland, I think, was saying he was thinking about. I think because Alex Garland's been so busy, um, maybe that's why it hasn't been done. Because he wrote the movies, maybe he just hasn't found the time to do it. But I, I would love to see. It's it. Fox Searchlight. It's Disney. Disney owns it. Well, they distribute it. Yeah, but they own everything. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we're like, uh, if a UK movie is made by a UK okay, production company, films. thank you. It's the so Disney's UK, the yeah. distributor. Yeah, yeah, they sell it to them to distribute. They buy it then, yeah, then distribute it. So it's not like a Disney movie; it's a DNA movie. But I mean, you need they can't make the movie without dis- distribution set up, most exactly. likely, because it's not like. Well, any, I mean, that's what festivals. No, are. but it's not going to go to a festival. It's a zombie horror movie of well, the third film. Those, of, go to, those go to festivals now. Third film of a franchise. Oh, oh, you're talking about the new one. Yeah, if they okay. made a new one. They didn't, like, send... Return oh, no, of... yeah, it's a property. People, yeah. They would be a studio movie. They didn't movie. send Lord of the Rings to a, to a festival, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant just a zombie movie in general. But the zombie movie's really healthy right now, I think. Also, Zombieland... Ironically. <laughs> Zombieland was a great boom in a different direction for the zo- zombie genre. Warm Bodies is still a pretty fun movie. I, I think the movie's cool with Nicholas Holt and... and um, what's her name? Uh... <laughs> Crap. Oh, the Australian actor. No, Warm Bodies. Nicholas Holt, and then... People yeah, like, the, the no, Australian girl. No, from Transformers. Megan Therese, Fox. No, it's Teresa Palmer. No, it's Megan Fox. And Warm Bodies? Warm Bodies? Pretty, isn't it Megan Fox? Teresa Palmer. Oh, I'm thinking of... the Megan, Hold on, what's the Megan Fox zombie movie? The girls are going to be really mad at you for this one. Sorry. Jennifer's Body. Yeah. Jennifer's Body I got mixed up with. It's not a zombie movie. Warm Bodies is the Nicholas Holt Teresa Palmer Teresa one. Palmer. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Someone didn't do his research. <laughs> I made a whole list, all right? I made all this list. Uh, so I think the zombie movies, people are still interested in them. I think as, as long as you mix it up a oh, little yeah, bit, I love people zombies. will be intrigued by it. Because the Zombieland, or, Zombieland, the first one, is really popular. Yeah, and they made the second one. The second one was not good. I didn't like the second one at all. Me neither. Did you? Um, not really. Other international films that are great. The Wailing is a great horror movie. We cannot recommend it enough. It's from South Korea. It was on Amazon Prime. I think it's still on there. Watch it ASAP. Put that at the top yeah, of your watch, watch it list. It's really, it's really <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> I really love, uh, for international, Luca Guadagnino. He made a remarkable remake of Suspiria with Dakota Johnson and Tilda Swinton. And it is good. It's so good. And it's different enough from Argento's film to really be its own kind of thing. But it's a really fantastic film. And it's got a couple of the most disturbing scenes I've ever seen. And also, what a finale. Holy crap. I can't wait to see Bones and All Yeah, for his film with Timothy Chalamet coming out this this year. Oh, yeah. Coming out this year. year. Yeah. And I think think they're expecting some Oscar nominations, some some buzz for it, some awards buzz. Because it's coming out so late in the year. And it was just at Toronto Film Festival where it premiered. And they got a huge standing ovation for like eight or nine minutes. So I'm really anticipating a good number of minutes seeing <laughs> bones and all <laughs> horror comedy has been a great genre as well. Not many filmmakers can pull it off, but I think films like what we do in the shadows and then the cabin in the woods are just great examples of horror comedies. There was, there is another horror movie that had a hundred million dollar budget. What? Dr- the girl with the dragon tattoo. Okay. Yeah. Psychological thriller horror. But it's yeah. a, it's the, I, it's I have it on the list here. Film. Yeah. It's on the list? Yeah. All right. Um, that's definitely a horror movie. I believe that was a $100 million budget. It might be $90 million. It, it might be. I think it's Fincher's biggest budget. Oh, yeah. But it made, it did not, it made good money. It made 200 mil, I would say. 
but it didn't make enough to get Sony to green light a second project. Yeah, it was like a quarter billion, and they wanted like five hundred million dollars on that. Yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad because it's such a great, <laughs> jinx, such a great movie. Um, in addition to that, it made it was a ninety million dollar budget. God damn it, I'm good. So to stay on serial killers, like with the girl with the dragon Let's tattoo, stay on the we have the house that Jack built, which is a messed up but really really good movie. Oh, that's such a good movie! Great serial killer movie. Yeah. I saw the Devil is another great serial killer movie. There have been some pretty solid streaming only horror movies that have come out. So I, I picked a few from from specific platforms where they only got streaming release. Fresh on Hulu, I think was a solid horror movie. Hulu original, Hulu only was not a theatrical release. Suspiria from Amazon, that was an Amazon only release. You're you're right because yeah, I wanted to see it in theaters. Didn't come out in theaters. I remember, and I that was, was an early streaming. Yeah, that only was one movie. of their first ones, it was like 2018, 2017. I remember because I I was like, it never came out in theaters. Never did. Yeah. And then Gerald's Game is probably Netflix's best original horror movie that only got a Netflix release. I would say, which is a Stephen King book, right? Yeah, it's an adaptation. Yeah. And then we've seen so many reboots and remakes. Obviously, the Halloween movies, they keep getting made. The Scream movies keep getting made. They tried to make Nightmare on Elm Street, but that did not do very well at the box office. Suspiria, uh, Serial, and Jigsaw. I mean, not Serial. Um, what's it called? Spiral and Jigsaw. Child 44 actually is a, is a great uh, serial killer movie that I recommend as well. Starring Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. And we've had some bad franchise movies. I think Halloween has been such an up and down reboot. Remake, it really franchise. is all over the place. I think like yeah. 2018's Halloween was great, but then I did not like Halloween Kills. Sorry, I know some of our, our followers like Caleb. I know you like that movie a lot. Sorry, pal. Sorry, um, bud. <laughs> he knows we we aren't yeah, fans of it. I'm just yeah. not a fan of that. I movie. like. I do like the first one. The first. It's pretty good. Well, no, but they're different. Really, kind of in a lot of ways. Different filmmakers, different directions. Wait. Uh, I'm so trying. 2018 Halloween, that was the one that Danny McBride was involved with, right? He did, he's involved in all all three of them. Well, didn't he co-write? Yeah. Well, but but David Gordon Green took over for Halloween Kills, right? No, he did the one before that too. All right, then why Halloween? Why is Halloween Kills just such a miss? I don't know. <laughs> That's why I was so confused about it. Never mind. The, but they've done all three. They're producing, okay, writing, and he's directing. I all like three 2018s. Yeah, I, I, even, I even enjoyed Rob Zombie's reboot remake. Yeah, they're pretty good. I think they're pretty yeah. decent. I mean, it's like Mike Myers' origins, but you're not they're solid. You're not. I mean, here's the thing. Yes, you're not looking for the best story ever told, but with Halloween Kills, I found it like really. I found the story really bad. I think they just rushed it too yeah. fast. And the but the scenarios and the acting and the dialogue and the situations, I just found really just like really bafflingly ridiculous and the whole hospital sequence i was like what is going on this is this is i found it really dumb because evil ends tonight evil, evil dies tonight evil dies, dies tonight. tonight evil, evil dies, dies tonight and um it's like a I, new joke yeah. now on the show i wanted to like it i wanted to like it we were ready to go yeah. man we were like we rented so it we bought it bought it yeah. we're like let's go but yeah I was, hey I if was, you enjoyed it you enjoyed it yeah i just personally for me i was really underwhelmed disappointed and ended up laughing at had it. a great trailer i'll give him that excellent trailer let's move into some other horror movies that we haven't brought up that i really really like i think it follows which is from a small studio is one of my favorite in the last decade for sure i think it's severely underrated great original idea a near perfect horror movie not quite there with the third act but i i really think it's tremendous and if you like smile you would definitely like it follows if you haven't seen it yet the Guest was another great horror movie from a small studio, um, as well as The Invitation, 
from 2015, not the one that came out this year. The Invitation from 2015 is excellent. It's really, really good. And then the Terrifier, where the first one came out, I think in 2015, the sequel just came out this year. It's getting great reviews. It's kind of like this new horror icon monster of this like killer clown slasher movie. It's, it's pretty Ooh. cool. Check them out. Oh, we also get to point out, obviously, Midsummer. Terrific yeah, so Ari Aster. Film. So, I mean, maybe we, let's talk about Ari Aster for a minute with Midsummer, Hereditary. We did an episode on the two together. It's a great episode. You should check it out. And I think he's already just cemented himself as one of the going to be one of the great horror directors of all time. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Just great, incredible ideas. And obviously, they're you know there's sim like The Exorcist in in uh, what's it called the uh, the um describe the, which it. I mean the um the movie that's Midsummer's inspired by. Oh, The Wicker Man. The Wicker Man. Yeah, got heavy influence from yeah. those films for his movies. A lot of filmmakers get influenced from all kinds of places. That's fine. I think it's yeah. fine, especially when you do something new with it. I think both films are brilliant. I think Hereditary is just one of the all-time great horror films of all time, for sure. And then something like Jordan Peele coming out with Get Out, which was a masterpiece, for sure. No, Us is Us is really good, but I don't think it's in the same level as, as I'm not a fan Get of Out. Us. But, um, I th- think it was well done, and but then, yeah. yeah. And then Nope, a great horror sci-fi film, which I adored so much. That was yeah. such a great experience. I love Nope. And, and also, IMAX. Yeah. Dave Lowry has made some really terrific films. He did A Ghost Story, and he did The Green Knight. Really fantastic stuff, and I love A Ghost Story. And then also we have Green Room. We did an episode of A24 Movies. Green Room was on that list as well. And But Claire Denis' High Life is really fantastic. It's a terrific sci-fi film. You've never seen anything like it. Uh, Pattinson, Juliette Binoche is also in it. They've worked together. Her and Claire have worked together on like 10 films now. Um, they have an amazing collaboration over the last couple of decades. Uh, another great film. But And Alex Garland, his first two movies were good. I like Ex Machina a lot, and I really like Annihilation. Ex Machina is fantastic. But... I hated men. <laughs> I hated men. Yeah, I was not a fan. Um, are we going to talk about maybe the best director on this list? Denis Villeneuve has a film here. Enemy. Oh, yeah, Enemy. Enemy is a horror film. Yeah. A psychological thriller. Prisoners is kind of a horror Prisoners, film. Prisoners, yeah, I would say Prisoners is kind yeah, of horror-esque kind of a in a bit, in yeah. a way. You know, that, that's got a very scary element. So, I mean, obviously starring Jake Gyllenhaal, so another huge... A-lister, very talented actor starring in small independent horror films or small independent films in general. Yeah, and he, I mean, after he made Insanday, he, then he could have done anything and he chose to do Enemy and Prisoners and two great scripts, two great movies and that really cemented his status as one of the preeminent directors of the of this uh, generation of filmmakers. There's just so many. Th- I also loved Malignant, which came out uh, a couple of years ago or a year ago. From James Wan. <laughs> so Caleb um, messaged me yesterday because he was watching it. He, and then he messaged me, so how long do I have to wait for the big <laughs> divert to get good? I was like, dude, we saw was, this in yeah. theaters. I was like, wait like 45, 50 minutes. And then he's like, okay, it got pretty crazy. It got crazy. Yeah, so the thing with Malignant, I love the first two <laughs> minutes. It has a great opening intro to the movie. And then for 45 minutes, it's just like, oh my God. Some of the worst it's, dialogue I'm and literally acting I've seen Watching Ever. paint dry, it's it's pretty. It's cringe. acting that is like it looks like it's like comparable to the room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of. Yeah, very few times. Annabelle it. Wallace is great. Annabelle Wallace is a terrific actor. The rest of the cast, di- and plus the dialogue she had, but the rest of the, the dialogue is pretty bad. The cast and dialogue is horrible, like really terrible. But the dialogue. payoff was so worth it. Yeah, I mean, even in theaters, me and you're like, should we leave? Like this is just. We were. I was like 15 minutes in. I was like, 
we were just like we were literally just looking at each other rolling like are we like should we go and then we were like we were like 50 minutes in ish it got so awesome and iconic and i think one of my favorite villains in the last five years in the horror genre came out of that movie. If if the if the script was better, man, and if if the first half of the movie was good, the movie would have been great. And it, yeah. it, that was that's the problem is like it had the potential, and the second half of the movie does has and a, great directing. James Wan's yeah. a really good director. Yeah, he sets a good mood, but like the dialogue in the in the acting is just so monstrously bad that it really took away from the potential the movie had. I think. I agree. What are what are your, some of your favorites? Like, if you had to pick like ten favorite movies of like the last ten years of horror movies, what are you going with? Of this list, okay. I can do this. So I have a list. I'm, I'm, I wrote down like maybe seventy movies on here. Oh, I, I can do this. I got this. You ready? Mm-hmm. So I'm going Black Swan, Nope, A Quiet Place, The Wailing, Under the Skin. Uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer. I Saw the Devil. It. Chapter one, I mean. In chapter one. Yeah, just it. (laughs) (laughs) You got it, man. Nightmare Alley. And Shutter Island. Really good selection. Pretty fucking great list. Not gonna lie. I'm actually patting myself on the back. I'm doing (laughs) doing that off the top of my head. If I had to choose. I'm going Hereditary, A Ghost Story, let's see, Get Out, It, Mandy, Nightmare Alley, A Quiet Place, I think I got two more. It follows, and hmm, hmm. Choose wisely. I know it's tough. Train to Busan. Yeah, quite different. Quite, quite, di- quite, different. quite different. Let's just go on through it real quick. I, I bet you it would be different if I analyzed the shit out of this, but I was just flying through it. Hey, I think you did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been a really fun episode because it we, was fun. We love horror so much, and we're so grateful to be in this horror boom which is why we want to do this episode because i think we're just so fortunate right now there are so many movies being made every year it's absurd how much content there is to see in theaters and let alone just what's coming to streaming every year but i think there are every year we're getting 10 really really solid horror movies every year it's been like this for like five ten years and i think we're we're, we're being spoiled right now and i think we should embrace it because who knows if it will last because like we said the genre has gone up and down up and down but right now, we are just in a phenomenal state of horror, and, and I, I'm just adoring everything that comes out every year. And I, I try to see as many of them as I can. And horror films, I think, are a must-watch in theaters to really get the experience. And I've seen plenty of these movies streaming because I didn't. they either came out years ago and I never heard of them, or they were only available streaming, whether there be like international releases. But I think horror films are so much better in theaters and it can really uh, compound the fear and the atmosphere that the story and filmmakers create and so if i if a movie if a horror film that intrigues me is playing in theaters i will absolutely try to see it in theaters what's a horror movie on this list that you didn't see in theaters that you wish you did all um all the all the south korean ones True. um i wish i saw 
I wish I saw Mandy in theaters. I wish I, if I had to pick one of them, I'd say I wish I saw The Wailing in theaters. Yeah. I think Mandy would have been incredible because that's such a trippy experience of a film yeah. and great visuals. I think that would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. I wish I saw that in theaters. Um, what else did I, not, did I not see in theaters? Ready or Not didn't see in theaters. That would have been great to see in, in the cinema, I think. Yeah, I, I saw that on, on did Amazon. Did we see It Follows? In, in, yeah, we saw It Follows. Yeah, we saw It Follows. Yeah, yeah. That was a great cinema movie that for sure. That was a cool movie. Because yeah. great music and, and visuals as well. But yeah. th- there's so many movies on, that have come out in recent years that mm-hmm. we adore. And man, I hope... I hope you guys appreciate horror as much as we do. And I think, Oh yeah, we got a lot of horror. I hope, fans. I hope you all realize if you're new to film, we haven't always had this much, ri- this many riches in the genre. Back before. in our day, back in our day, we had we're, saw, we're... saw and torture gore, torture porn. All we had was hostile. Hostile. <laughs> not that they're not cool movies. Yeah. But uh, I think we're just living in a special time for horror right now. Oh, hundred percent agree. Thanks for tuning in to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Become a patron today for as little as $2. That's it. At patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast. It's the best way to support the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Modern Horror Boom episode. Take care, everybody. See you next time. This episode of Raiders of the Lost Podcast was executive produced by our chosen one patrons. Luke Exelston, Tyler McFly, Darren Singleton, Anthony DeMeo, John A. Graz, Becca Keen, Cody Moen, Benjamin Cook, Calvin Cam, and Lauren Smertz. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.